You're listening to The Britpop Show. Sponsored by Creation Day Festival. Playing the best and the rest of Britpop. It's The Britpop Show, live and exclusive. And this week, we've got a massive 25-year anniversary. It's 25 years since Electricity released Beautiful Insane. And normally, you've got me telling you all sorts of babble and nonsense about albums that I know very little about. But luckily, we have an expert with us in the studio. We have Pete Trainer, who has written a book on electricity and he will tell us everything all of his thoughts about beautiful insane and anything else and including the book which you know no doubt you guys will go out and buy if you have any questions for pete or me about electricity let me know but let's start off with queen queen of the crimson nile Queen of the Crimson Nile by Electricy. And when I spoke to Nigel, the lead singer, and I was talking to him about, you know, what do you do at a party? If someone asks you to pick up a, a guitar, which song do you play? And that was the one he said he would always play. He'd play Queen of the Crimson Nile. But it's not about me. It's not about Electricy. It's about Pete Trainer, who is currently in the studio and going to tell us about, well, we've got 25 years since they released their album and Pete wrote a book on it. So might as well have him in. What do you think? Pete, tell us why you wrote a book about Electricy. Well, thanks for having me first. What an amazing opportunity. Um, so the the book is, this has been a 15-year itch I've been trying to scratch. And um, 
at the end of last year, I connected with Steve uh, Atkins and we started talking about the album um, and where it went. Because it's one of those 90s Britpop albums, if it is Britpop, we can debate that, that just kind of vanished. Um, I'm from the same area in the southwest of, of England as the as the boys, as um, Ali and Steve, not Nigel and Jim and Paul. They were from uh, Wales and we followed them around a lot uh, when we were kids, when we were teenagers. That album was pretty seminal for us growing up because they were a local band. And then it just kind of disappeared. And so for the last 15 years, I've been trying to work out like what happened to that album. And then the book is really an exploration of, of what we think happened to it and where it's gone. But it's also a brilliant album, right? So Oh, it's an amazing album. And obviously, um, uh, the, the listeners, the listeners of the Britpop show, they know electricity through the show. Uh, but uh, I don't think most, many of them have the album. It's not even on vinyl. It's nothing, you know, it's, it's difficult to get hold of. But um, there are some absolute classics on there. So... Well, you say it's an itch that you wanted to scratch. What what made you decide, yeah. you know what, I'm going to do this? So the so in 2008, I was part of a, a startup um, creating one of the first streaming music platforms. Um, we we were given quite a lot of investment and we started building the thing. Um, every couple of weeks, the record labels that we'd spent an extortionate amount of money on contracts with would deliver a very large hard drive of music that we would then encode and upload to our server. Um, I wanted to evangelize Beautiful Insane. Like, that was my big thing. Like, we had this platform, we were going to stream music through it. I went looking for that album, and it was not there. Um, we had pretty much every major label's uh, back catalog. Beautiful Insane did not exist. And that was, uh, that was 15 years ago, and so I've been trying to work out what happened to it since. Um, and, you know, the, the story, the book is really has been an exploration with the band on the process of making the album, how come it was so different than the live tracks, you know, the labels, the controversy, the politics, the, you know, the background to, to what happened in the studio. Um, and it's just been absolutely fascinating. And I think, um, I think we've got a few without ruining it. I think we've got a few hypothesis of why the album was never released in a digital format or it's just kind of stopped to exist right now. Um, but it's a it's a it's a fascinating backstory. It's a really fascinating backstory. And uh, tell us what the uh, so the book it was released in the last three or four months. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we released it in July. It was done um, quite pacey. Actually, we started at the beginning of the year. Steve is a bit of a hoarder, so he had a ton of really fascinating um, newspaper articles and photos and flyers, and I had my own boxes of stuff. Some fans contributed. We wanted to get it out more or less at the same time as the new album. Uh, which is phenomenal as well, right? Yeah. Um, and the process of doing it has just been incredibly cathartic for everybody and just a whole load of fun. Um, some of the stories that we, we've got in the book and some of the stories from the making of the album and then the new album and things have just been an absolute joy, um, an absolute, absolute joy. So it's July, it's selling really well. People seem to really enjoy it. Um, I'm hoping that it in some way contributes to a resurgence in an interest in what's a phenomenal band um and it's uh yeah it's been an it's been an absolute roller coaster a quick plug what's it called and where can we get it it's called calling all the dreamers which was it was uh it's named after the original title for the song beautiful insane off the album so the song beautiful insane off the album which is a phenomenal song uh we should play that one as well uh is was you know the the lyrics are calling all the dreamers they don't need you anymore um 
which is also a bit of a kind of running joke to me and Nigel because I work in technology and AI, which is basically what the song is is written about in the nineties. Um, so that's why we called it "Calling All the Dreamers." Amazing. An ode to the original song. And where can we get this? If, uh, after the after the end of the show, everyone thinks I need to buy this, but where can we get it? At the moment, it's on Amazon. We're going to have it in the bookshops uh, really, really soon. It's a hardback at the moment. We're going to get the paperback out for Christmas uh, as well. Um, I'm trying to pin the boys down so that we can do some audio versions of the stories in the books yeah. uh, from the book, which would be phenomenal. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's available on Amazon at the moment. Brilliant. So I'm going to ask you about those conspiracy theories after we hear a little bit from Supergrass. So 
Late in the day by Supergrass. But we're not here to talk about Supergrass. We're here to celebrate the fact that it's 25 years since Electricity released their debut album, Beautiful Insane. And it would have been amazing to see them back in those day, in that day. But we have with us Pete Trainer, who has written a book all about it. So if you weren't here for the first few minutes, that is the mystery person in the studio with me today. Pete, you were telling us just before that song about the conspiracy theory or the p- possible conspiracy theory as to why a digital version of the album isn't available. Hit us with it. Well, there's there's a lot of theories about that. There's a lot of theories. Just really quickly, I'm gutted for anybody that didn't see Electricity play live in the 90s. Including me. Because, including you. They were just the most phenomenal act. Now, that is intrinsically linked to one of the theories that we have. So the, the, the album, um, I remember when it was released, I remember sitting in my car. We talk about this in the book. I remember sitting in my car. I remember going to Acorn Records, buying a tape, uh, which I still own now, of the album, sitting in my car, putting it in, listening to the album and then going, that doesn't sound anything like the songs that they used to play to us in the in the pub, like in Gardens and the Ski Lodge and all these various kind of uh, locations that we saw them play live. Um, they, they, they'd got the recording contract uh, with Universal. They'd gone into the studio with Robin Miller, the producer, and they just went crazy on the production of these songs. Um and like, there's not a single track on there, bar one, which we may talk about, I think, um, which sounds anything like the original versions of the songs. Um, so one theory is that the record label got the album that they asked for and then didn't want the album that they got. It, it wasn't, it was too out there. Like it was too crazy for them to really, really kind of like, you know, send out into the world well that's um, right i mean there's so there's a song oh, this big song called today's the day and on yes. the original album it's it's pretty crazy it's a crazy song and yet when we they released a, an album a couple of years ago which was sort of uh brought together some of the some of the original maybe tracks and how they were supposed to sound and the 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 new version if you like of today's the day i much prefer it to the to the al- the album version but that's the original version. Yeah. So that version on giving it back, that version of the song is the song that we used to bop to in the nineties in, you know, funny little, uh, funny little nightclubs in Weymouth and Yeovil and stuff. That, that is the seminal version of today's today. Um, and it was kind of, and even tracks like that felt like they were written about all of us. So it was like Nigel was writing it about himself, but you know, it appealed to the teenage Pete and all his mates. That felt like our song the album comes out and we're like, what is that? Like that's got nothing to do with the songs that we fell in love with, but it's still in its own right, particularly good. And it's because Robin Miller is incredibly experimental. Nigel, we know loves to experiment. Steve is incredibly creative. Ali will do whatever, you know, he does he, uh, and, and very, very well indeed. And so, you know, it just turned into, uh, I think an album that potentially the record label just didn't know what to do with. Well, we were going to play, I was going to play a certain song, um, but I'm going to move on to one which sounds quite, um, uh, how do we call it, a bit more experimental. I'm going to, I'm going to play some, uh, a song called Chemical Angel now, uh, which I think just demonstrates exactly what we were talking about, how it became yeah. produced and something uh, different to what you probably heard live. Uh, but nevertheless, it's one of those songs that you listen to and you think, that's a killer song. So, uh, so this is here. Here we go. Chemical Angel by Electricity. Hits from the nineteen nineties. Ah, 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 
Just a reminder, you are listening to the Britpop show. That was Chemical Angel by Electricity. Not your usual Britpop fodder, but we have Pete Trainer in in the uh, in the studio to explain. He's written a, a he's written a book about Electricity. He's the expert on Electricity. So who else would we invite to talk about twenty five years since Electricity released Beautiful Insane? Now, Pete, we were talking about the conspiracy theories. There there are some others, are there? Yeah, I mean, just really quickly, that track is insane, right? Like crazy track and i think one of the i mean the the record label were expecting a Britpop album yeah and then they get tracks like demented and chemical angel so um i think really fun. I, th- I think somebody said something along the lines of it's like listening to your entire record uh collection all at the same yeah. time after a bottle of whiskey yeah that was in one of the uh reviews enemy or melody maker or something and they um i mean the the, the interesting thing is all the influences that nigel and ali and steve and Jim and Paul kind of picked up along the way. So there's a DJ that was involved in their early live shows um, who was kind of like really integral, I think, to some of that early sound, but also, you know, was was very much like Glenn Nichols was was very much kind of influencing some of the rock and roll sounds with DJ uh, tracks. So again, there's a great story in the book from Nigel uh, and Steve about going to the studio in London to see Glenn and they were playing Progeny Fat of the Land, which came out kind of, you know, six, seven months before Beautiful Insane. And you can hear that some of those influences may have just crept into tracks like Chemical Angel because they're, and they kind of, they kind of lose their way. They kind of lose what they are a little bit, but that also appeals, I think, to quite a lot of people. Um, 
there's a i mean the 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 other the other thing that i've always said and i've always kind of joked with nigel about it is that this is beautiful and saying is the album you release fifth not first like it's a self-indulgent um you know after the best of you go back and you kind of do something a little bit you know crazy and experimental they did it first which is just all kinds of silly yeah it's, um, it's like when they say to a band or well, they haven't really progressed they you know they're just still churning out the same old stuff and then so they they bring out something completely different yeah exactly and no other band at the time was really doing that like i cannot think of a single Britpop band or album that came out during that period of time that was quite so eclectic yeah um and of course it divided people now the other thing is so the other reason i don't think you can get this album anymore um except on things like ebay is there was a very large fire in um, L.A. Again, we, it, like, they've not confirmed this, even when we were putting the book together. Like, we've never had confirmation of this, but it's a good theory, is that there was um, the, the, the album got buried. The record label was particularly unhappy with, with the outcome. Sold pretty well, actually. So the album did sell a good few hundred thousand copies. Um, the, the, there was a big fire at an L.A. warehouse where lots of original... Uh, dat tapes and recordings were completely destroyed from some really famous British bands. So the the Jam and the the Police, um, uh, I think, kind of you know Tina Turner and various other people. They had all their album uh, demos, their original demos in this warehouse, and they all got destroyed. And that was about ni- uh, two thousand and six. So there is a theory that just as albums were being digitized from their original um, dat tapes, Beautiful and Say may possibly have been. The original recordings of Beautiful Insane may possibly have been destroyed. So that's another theory. So that's another kind of uh, conspiracy theory that we've concocted or we've come up with. And it's a pretty good one. Why let the truth uh, get in the way of a good theory, right? Well, it's, but it could very well have been in that that warehouse, like Even all better. the original the original tapes. Now, there is there is hope. And I think something that is, is really exciting is, and I've heard some of them as well, uh, the original demos before... Robert Miller got his hand on the tracks, um, his hands on the tracks, and did a brilliant job. Like, I'm not criticizing Robin at all. He did a phenomenal job. Um, the original demos were recorded with a producer called John Sweet in a garage in Yeovil. So, John had a, uh, I've met John. Um, he had a garage studio in Yeovil. He met the boys via a mutual contact. They go to this studio and they recorded you know, the tracks that we would associate with them, Morning Afterglow, Best Friends Girl, Miracle, 19, like all of those songs um, in their kind of pub format. So the the way that I remember them um, before they were taken into Abbey Road and converted into whatever got released. Um, some of those tracks, those original recordings uh, from the Garage demos do exist. Um, and I've heard some of them and they are absolutely beautiful. And I would like very much to kind of beg the band to just get some of them out there uh, to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Beautiful Insane because they're very, very good. Very different um, in some ways, uh, not so different in other ways uh, and, and really worthwhile people trying to trying to get a listen to if they can. Sounds great. Let's see what we can do. I'm no doubt the band are listening and they will get in touch immediately because it's like a Tim's listening party. Um, right. Um, I've asked you to pick a non-electricity album for the Britpop, sorry, song for the Britpop show. And uh, what yeah. did you go with? Uh, I've gone with Manson, Wide Open Space. Um, that was my that was my pick. Uh, it came out about the same kind of time. Lots of songs were influencing my taste in music in the end of the, the 90s, the last part of the 90s. I distinctly remember this song being played a lot in 98. So the same year that Beautiful Insane came out. 
Um, and it's just a brilliant, brilliant track for well, a Monday. Let's hear it. Go for it. Hits from the 1990s.
We have in the studio this week Pete Trainer, author of Calling All the Dreamers, a book about electricity. So who am I going to go on the show this week to talk about 25 years since Beautiful Insane was released? That's Electricity's debut album. Pete Trainer, of course. Pete, should we talk about the album? Let's talk about the album. Oh, Manson, thank you for playing that song. It was 97, Attack of the Grey Lantern. Um, what an album. What an album. Uh, now, what do you prefer, what? Attack of the Grey Lantern or Six? Attack of the Grey Lantern, I think. Correct. Is a better album in some ways and not others. Uh, Beautiful Insane. Let's talk about that. Favourite track? Uh, Favourite track on Beautiful Insane. Like, weirdly, the title track, Beautiful Insane, which is an incredible song. Um, I heard it played live in various pubs and clubs, a little place in Weymouth called Verdis, Verdi's um, dingy little basement bar. First time I heard that song and it was just absolutely incredible. And then um, it's one of the songs that I think they improved when they recorded it with Robin Miller. Um, Jim got heavily into something called the Vocoder, which was that electronic voice changing stuff, which for 97, 98, um, you know, wasn't particularly revolutionary, but just was really unusual on an album. Um, and I think if you listen to the lyrics of that song, um, Beautiful Insane, Calling All the Dreamers, uh, it's in, just incredibly, um, it's like a prophecy of what's happening to the world right now. Just amazing. Absolutely amazing. Nigel actually wrote that song in a cider factory in uh, Shepton Mallet in Somerset. <laughs> Was he drinking cider at the time? I, I assume so. We'll assume so, but... Uh, takes away some of the uh, spirit of the song slightly when you find out it was about the automation of the cider factory but it's still an amazing <laughs> song <laughs> yeah nevertheless now um there are some obviously there's it's almost packed with with singles uh, yes. we've obviously got morning afterglow which is we, we're going to play we're going to talk about talk about in a bit um it's got uh, Angel on there, which uh, which is just an amazing song. It's got Lost in Space, Best Friends Girl. They're, these are all, I mean, it's an album chock full of singles, but what's your favourite? Well, I think I'll challenge you on that because I think that's the four. I don't think there is another song on there that the, uh, the record label could release. Uh, what's we got? Think... We've got Morning After Go, we've got Best Friends Girl, we've got Lost in Space and Angel. Is that right? Is that the four? Yeah, well, that. But, I mean, Strawberry Sunrise probably could have been a... Um... Uh, single maybe I think Queen uh, of the Crimson Nile could have been Queen of the Crimson Nile yeah good shout that could have been a good single as well actually um, uh, song about Amsterdam uh, the sun rising over the canals in Amsterdam um, yeah it's, a, it's definitely a, it's definitely an album with uh, some real sing-alongs yeah. uh, I just don't think it was necessarily the album that they were expecting no un- yeah I understood um, but I'm going to push you favourite song uh, well so I have a couple uh, and I'm going to cheat because Angel it was uh, me and my very good friends who followed the band around in the 90s. It's like our, it's kind of, it used to be our kind of end of night drunk song. So we'd all sit on the sofa, put it on um, very loud, upset the neighbours and kind of croon to it. It was played at my stag do, um, you know, 15 of my very best friends all singing it in the middle of a field in Somerset, which was just a beautiful moment. It's very hard we to had sing a, though, right? Very hard Very to hard to sing. Uh, we had a version of it played by a cover band at our wedding. So that song has a very special place in my heart. Um, also a song I've heard like six or seven different versions of by the band. So again, it's one of those ones Nigel's never been quite happy with. Um, Morning After Goes, obviously seminal. Uh, I, I think, you know, I think Beautiful Insane is the favorite, my favorite track on the album amazing now 
We've talked about some of the others, the you know the non-single ones. Um, I was I was thinking of playing Strawberry Sunrise next, just to let just because it's not the kind of thing that tends to get yeah. much radio play. What do you think? Doesn't I think so? It's and again, it, 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 Nigel was very um, open about the inspiration of all the tracks on the album and all the other subsequent albums. Um, there's a lovely story about that one. Uh, it was the morning after a particularly boozy night at Glastonbury Festival. Oh, I think we've lost the we've lost Pete there. So I'm uh, we'll get oh, that story. We'll get up. that story afterwards. Here's Strawberry Sunrise.
It's from the 1990s. Good to be free by Oasis. Now, we seem to have uh, hit a technical problem. It's not like this show to hit a technical problem, is it? We've got a technical problem, which means that we have lost Pete. Uh, 
Don't know what happened to him. He was talking to us about Strawberry Sunrise and then just disappeared. We will try our best to get him back. But we, we're here today. We're talking about 25 years since Electricity released their debut album, Beautiful Insane. And you can't talk about Beautiful Insane without talking, of course, about Morning Afterglow. It is it's the song that everybody said that Oasis wished they'd written. And we've just had Oasis, obviously. I'm not sure that Oasis would necessarily uh, swap, for example, uh, Don't Look Back in Anger for it, but any other song, I would imagine that they're, they're going to be saying, yeah, we'll, we'll put that in our in our armory. They'd certainly want to play it. And it had that brilliant, brilliant video of, uh, which Coldplay nicked, actually, of, um, of it going backwards. And uh, Ali, the lead singer, he had to lip sync, but lips learn it backwards, which is exactly what Chris Martin did on one of his bland uh, tunes or ballads off their second or third album. So Electricity were trend setting with uh, with that song. So I've no idea why that song didn't become absolutely huge. And I remember talking to Nigel, the lead singer about it. And Nigel said that uh, he, he did a demo tape. And this demo tape was, uh, he, he sent it to the rest of the band and they had, you know, three or four songs at the start that he thought were the, the ones, the songs that were going to make it. And then at the end, he said that there was this scratchy little thing that didn't really have many lyrics and they all just repeated themselves. And, uh, and Ali, the lead singer, we heard it for the first time and he said, that is the one, that's the, that's the song. And Nigel hadn't realized he'd written such a brilliant song and, and there it was. Now that demo tape obviously goes down in, in rock folklore. And guess who's got it? Pete has it. He's got the tape, that actual tape. And he put a bit on MP3 for me, but we're not going to play that. We're going to play the actual song itself. This is Morning After Go. Now is not the time to go I feel the morning afterglow And it feels so very strange It's very, very frightening I realize what's happening Could it be that I'd fall in love? She's here only one for me and she's got everything I need Turn my back and run away She's the only one for me and she's got everything I need Turn my back and run away Now it's not the time to go I feel the morning afterglow and it feels so very strange it's very very frightening I realize what's happening could it be that I fall in
What a tune. Absolute tune. And uh, it's recently back on Spotify. It wasn't on Spotify for a long, long time. And it's recently back on Spotify. I'll tell you, who else is back? It's only Pete Trainer. He disappeared and now he's back. Welcome back, Pete. Thanks. Sorry, technology. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, now, you were telling us about Strawberry Sunrise. Yes. Uh, so the story goes that Nigel uh, was at Glastonbury Festival circa 92 or 93. Yeah. Um, was sitting everybody had gone to bed the sun came up and the song just popped into his head um so he you know he i think every song on the album is influenced by something that the band saw or lived through which again i think is is really amazing for a, an album like that now tell us what you know about morning afterglow i've i've told the uh, i've told the listeners about the uh, the scratchy little tape and 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 how you have a copy but what else do you want to say about morning yeah. afterglow I mean, that in itself is just an incredible thing to have heard the original uh, tape. So um, Ali, so Nigel had recorded the demo of that tape, um, had played it to Steve. I think he really didn't like it. Ali put it on the tape on in the car as he was driving from Sherbourne to Weymouth, decided that that was the hit. That was the one he really wanted to kind of, you know, keep uh, record. That was the one that he decided was going to be their their kind of breakthrough song. Um, the rest of the band were happy to get rid of it. Um, Nigel didn't even finish the lyrics. That's the reason that the song lyrics kind of repeat themselves twice and not really have a conclusion. Um, and the other thing about that particular song, which I always find really phenomenal, is they recorded it with John Sweet. Um, they then re-recorded it several times with uh, uh, MCA in Abbey Road and various other places, and they never quite captured the beauty of the first version that they'd recorded uh, that Ali had heard on that tape. So the tape, um, more or less, the version that was released in the charts is more or less the sort of first demo recording that they did. And it's just, um, it's just incredible that that it. I mean, obviously, there's they've added some strings, and I, I remember Nigel talking about when they were in the in the studio, and because there's a there's a piano solo in there, right? I mean, who has a piano solo? Yeah. Well, John Sweet in his garage. Yeah. <laughs> so he had this grand piano in the corner of the garage um, and then they just kind of did the uh, the piano solo, which isn't a very Britpop thing to do, but it kind of works. Oh, absolutely. Right, we're going to have a bit of Shed 7 and then we're going to end up with uh, with one more electricity track off the debut album. This is Disco Down.
Now, fans of Electricity need to be aware that the they've just released an album. If you don't know it, go and listen to it. It's on Spotify. It's brilliant. There's some really good ones. And if you want a window into the album, I suggest either A Million Pictures or I Tried. They are both brilliant. They're also playing some gigs in Wales on the 2nd, 3rd and 4th of November. All of them in Wales. Go and look them up. They're also on Spotify. Pete, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Just remind us what the book's called. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What a joy. I love the show as well, by the way. It's called Calling All the Dreamers. It's available on Amazon at the moment, uh, and it will be available in the bookshops uh, in paperback as well at some point towards the end of the year. Brilliant. And we're going to finish. Uh, that's it for, for the week. We're going to finish with Lost in Space by Electricity. See you on the flip side. Tell me.